0: So I would like to welcome everyone to the roundtable today. My name is Brianna Reese, and I'm the student director here at Philadelphia University for the roundtables. Today, our host is Zach Mohammedi. Zach is a Philadelphia University's master student in our interior architecture program. Today, our panel will address the question, how can we fight against terrorism and extremism? Right now, I will turn the table over to Zach.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Zach and I am doing my, my master's degree in interior architecture. And we're here to talk about how can we actually fight extremism as a, as individuals, and what are our responsibilities in our societies. And my, my uh, friends,
0: hi, um, my name is Ram Mushmush, and uh, I'm a second-year grad student for the um, MSSC program, Master of Sustainable Design. Oh,
2: sorry. I'm Karen Albert. I'm coordinator of the Center for Public Service.
3: Hi, oh, this is Jake, second, uh, third year law society student. My name is John Runko, also a third year law
0: society student. My name is Bianca Ness, and I'm a second year law and society
4: student. I'm Colin Murphy, and I'm a first year com
5: student. And hey, my name is uh, Fleming. I'm the director of the MS in Sustainable
6: Design student. These guys have been my students and are my students. Evan Lane, I'm the faculty director of the Inspector Center. I'm Josh i a professor and director
1: So we should start, I think, with the concept of extremism and w- what actually turns individual, these peoples, to extreme peoples and, and dangerous for their society. Uh, I'd love to hear, actually, your thoughts about these. Like, What do you think, guys, about like, how can an individual, which is not related to any, like, terrorism or any kind of radical uh, party, how could actually it turns to the truth for their society?
6: It's, a, it's heavy and multi-layered, so I guess I'll, I'll start. Um, I think alienation is probably one of the first things, perhaps, from a global or modern society. I think that's one of the things, so I'll start. With
1: society like US and Canada and other conservative with society, like religious countries, it, it happens in both because like people, um, for example, in US, like it based on immigrants and people with different backgrounds come and actually wants to start a new life here in Canada and US, like in Western countries. But I think the problem is they cannot, they, they being some, somehow they being ignored because of the, uh, they back, they back off, they their somehow, and, and that's actually start them to feel bad about themselves and to try to fight back society. So we we see these people are not targeting governments, they are targeting peoples. So we had that actually, we had that actual student in Germany, like it was two months ago. He his, actually shoot his classmates. That was horrible, and. The actual same patterns, pattern, I think it, it repeats and repeats. So, how can we? Uh, I mean, we were going to discuss about that. And that I found that as a one main thing that actually happens and turns people to extreme, to extreme people. So, I'd love to hear
6: I think what you're saying is really interesting. It, it becomes circular in of itself. There was a terrorist setback for whatever reason, which then especially in the United States, galvanizes um, and step against a group that they tend to do. And then further, going back to what I said, further alienates that group, pushes them further away because of the way they're treated. Um, a good example, after 9-11, um, one of there's a gas station I was in my office at the time, and a very nice guy owned it. It's uh, Muhammad, it's his name. He was in the, of the community for a long time on a gas station. And after 9-11, he shared this with me because he was a friend. People were spitting at him when he went to put gasoline in the tank. And so he's settled enough, and he's wise enough to know that these people are idiots. But if you take someone who's not a settled, it creates animosity, and it, it circles in on itself. Then the person may want to do something, because they're angry, they do something, and that creates a reaction of more anger, which creates more anger on the other side. And we keep on pushing the sides away from each other. So I think that's, I guess, what, the, yeah. what you're saying.
1: And the other thing is, like, when someone is doing that, these actions to others, it's better to not stay too quiet. It's, it's be- always better to interrupt them and not letting them actually continue their their to actually actually it stops that the
2: actually final stage. Yeah. I mean you were saying we, we as people should um, as yeah. individuals should stop yeah. when someone else is uh, acting in a mm-hmm. negative way towards mm-hmm. a group or I mean we should yeah. s- speak I mean. up. Yeah, I, th- yeah. And that, I think that's how we change our, our values throughout the history. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Well, I was going to ask if um, you think if anybody thinks mental illness um, has anything to do with it, or or a dysfunctional family, for example. It doesn't always, but can contribute to an individual. They have certain emotional problems to begin with, and then they're looking for acceptance somewhere. I've
4: noticed that uh, it seems to be the narrative when it's like, White terrorism when it's like a white male shooting a school things mm-hmm. like that, right. uh, and often we alienate if it's um, somebody that is Muslim, we focus on they're a terrorist. If it's somebody that's white, we focus mm-hmm. on it's mental illness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, think simple. There should be like you know a balance between like how we treat it and like the ideologies that go into it. We should assess them to the same standard. Mm-hmm. Underneath a lot of this is fear,
5: a lot of the motivations both the majority and minority cultures. Uh, when people promote fear in the majority culture, it tends to build up the potential for uh, minority cultures to begin to be upset. because And many people have come to power by promoting fear. Um, and it's something that I think in the majority group we need to be more sensitive of. And, um, I like to point a lot of the discussion to the majority group, not necessarily the group that's being focused on, but. The culture at large really plays a big part in and i think you said it early on about inclusivity and people feeling and you said that about people uh, creating a situation where people feel included like this round table everybody was brought in uh, i've been in many many rooms throughout my life where we've had a situation like this where this person right here i just kind of sit like this for the whole time and i talk to you guys and i basically make this person invisible and i've seen over and over again the majority group make others whoever those others are whether it be female African-American, Muslim, and they make them invisible. And I find that to be something that is very damaging to the person. Like, you felt bad when I did that, right? You felt like, <laughs> <little bit>. right? <laughs> and if that happens over and over again, you start to really feel ostracized. You start to, oh, you're like, oh, I don't really belong here. And then you become susceptible to finding other groups that you could belong to, some radical, some not. But um, I don't think we do enough on fear and how fear plays out in our interactions.
7: And I think like maybe, too of that sort of macro level, I think that would be remiss to not mention the changing norms of discourse, especially in our current environment. So I mean, say what you will about Bush's handling of the 9/11 attack, but I mean, he went out of his way to make clear that we were not at war with Islam. He visited mosques. I mean, I think like the the language and the discourses, especially the, the age of the Trump campaign, where we are—he's literally saying, talking about banning Muslims from coming into the United States. Um, and having the, 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 the wonderful sort of response uh, in the last debate, like the Muslims report stuff hashtag. I don't know funny. if anybody sort um, of saw that with that or his time yeah. against yeah. Muslims, but I do think as a, as, a, as a very serious response, I mean, I think that the sort of acceptability of what I would call hate rhetoric um, with at least some parts of the American mainstream is tremendously frightening to me and I think just
3: intensifies and problematizes
7: this issue even further. Since we're
3: talking about um, radicalized people and uh, targeting people to join such an organization that commit horrendous crime, uh, I feel like you actually have a tremendous disaster management program, and one of the courses which I took last year, by special permission, was national defense and national security. Uh, the very first year of the class, we discussed about one thing, a systematic um, Process that um, terrorists use, they apply to radicalize one individual. We, regardless of the reason, maybe political correctness or maybe that's the fact, we tend to avoid mentioning a specific group as a vulnerable, the special vulnerable target, getting radicalized all the time. But however, from studying that course, and the factual based argument would be that people being, like Sir Youssef, being abandoned by a larger society. Tends to be a better target to radicalize and to perform those horrendous acts. Um, I don't remember the name specifically, but I believe there's either um, Al Qaeda or ISIS. They have a uh, they have a online issue magazine called Inspiration. If I remember that correctly, Inspired. Inspired. Thank you. Um, and we had to analyze that magazine. Does not talk anything strategic, but it has a twisted interpretation of religious meaning and Quran, and somehow I feel that's damaging to both the religious entity and also, um, of course, where I was reading it and getting radicalized by it. And this, um, and how important is this feeling of being a part of something is tremendous. Um, I'm going to use some rather fascinating example. I'm a gamer. Um, any of you heard this game Mafia Three coming out? Sure. Of course. <laughs> talked about a. <laughs> right. It talked about a uh, veteran coming back f- uh, from Vietnam and uh, entered to the shadow city. It's co-new borders, but it's really the New Orleans, uh in the game set. And he belongs to one of the mafia family. He find he was an orphan. And he finds a family in the army, he finds he belongs there. Right. And after the war, he got sent home with the entire mafia family murdered, and he steps on revenge. And that basically is a theory how easy once you found something that you belong to, it and it belongs to you, and got stripped away from you, and then how eager you're seeking for this revenge. And just like we were getting radicalized all the time. And all we have to do basically say, you know, but of course you have to do it smartly, saying you're getting abandoned to join our cause and let's fight back. And that is the main problem here. It is not necessarily about social class or religious belief, but it's more about a uh, belonging kind of feeling to a larger part of society. There's a great book. I don't know if you guys read it.
6: And I recommend it to you guys "Jihad vs. the World" um, and Nick World," Nick, Nick, Nick World,", World, Nick World "Jihad okay. vs. Nick World," which is a really excellent book, and it's it's exactly what you're talking about. It is the loss through modernization of people losing their identities, um, that we are stuck. I forgot what Karl call Marx called it, but it's a feeling that, of of uh, rootlessness that um, you, you don't know. It, yeah, he has another word for this. Uh, but, but, so you desperately look for belonging. And it's those which you said. Those are the people who are perfect targets, because they've been marginalized, they're angry, and they're lonely. So you put that all together, and now they have cause, and they're empowered, uh, to the point they may even kill themselves to kill others. But that power is so so intoxicating that it drowns out that pain that they have. The other thing I want to really like to point The United States is a very weird dynamic. We always need an enemy, Uh, always. And I really think it comes from what you said. It's a function of fear. I really think it comes from the top down, Mm -hmm. for the very small people who have power and money, to keep those who don't occupied, so we don't do what we should do. Right. take more control so we fight among ourselves in different classes. So there's always a good, good guy, a bad guy, whether it's the Japanese the World War II, whether it's always the Jews or the blacks, whatever it may be, there's always some sort of enemy to fight within so that you ignore the bigger issues of inequality and, uh, and unfairness. Profiteering. Profiteering and all these things. So you ignore that. Instead, we foolishly spend time doing that. So I think we have to recognize this. We're cowboys and Indians. We grow up with the cowboys and Indians playing. It's a good guy, bad guy, white hat, black hat. There always seems to be the enemy, and it keeps shifting. And unfortunately, right now, it's the Muslims that uh, have come under that. Uh, you've taken the place, not entirely, there's still enough hate to go around, but um, it, it's become a, a primary source. So, I, I you wonder know, where it's coming from. It's really power, power issues, deeper than. than
4: I think that a form of solvency for that type of isolation is uh, with an issue of multiculturalism, striking the right balance between integration and assimilation. Integration is where uh, a minority culture needs to, um, a, uh, where the minority culture is accepted within the context of the society, and it's allowed to uh, you know, practice religiously have cultural centers within that society. Assimilation is more hardline and says that a minority culture needs to act and adopt the values of the society that are already there. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that there needs to be a balance between those two realities. We can't have like an isolated community, and we can't have the uh, those more, like uh, those minority cultures to feel as if they're being completely ignored and they have nothing to identify with within the society. Yeah, I was like,
5: that's one thing I didn't like about the US, they use the melting pot. I don't like the melting pot because by the time you put all these great flavors in, they all smush together and you got just this grand <coughs> gravy. And I'd rather make more, and, and Canada adopts this, I don't know if they really do, but they talk about a cultural mosaic, mm-hmm. which is more about the yeah. model that you're promoting, where you have, you have individual cultures expressing themselves. So when you stand back, you see a bigger picture that's really beautiful and diverse. Um, so I've been trying to downgrade the melting pot theory. I think it's not really a goal. I mean, if you have, I like beef stew. You ever have beef stew? It's good, but it's, it's you know, it's a big old mashup of stuff. Um, so I don't know, maybe I go too far with that. But.
1: So I love to mention that we talked about how actually other people start to feed uh, poisoning and uh, targeting these people. So I'd love to actually talk about the, uh, about the media. How media and like social media or like Fox News or like other media doing that,
8: like what do you think? How how they are doing? How they actually? I think that that is out of our hands in a sense.
0: Like, out of our hands completely. Like, right now, what they're like mentioning is not to mention Islamic extremism. So, we don't try to associate extremism with Islam, We're trying to say jihadist extremists. Because mm. that's, that's like really like important for us to say, like, not to um, misrepresent like a whole community of Muslims and just say, like, these extremists are like not Muslims, you know? So, I think that's like, what I, would, I would say.
4: Yeah, and I think that there's like, I don't think it's out of our hands in the sense that there's a whole new digital platform that we can broadcast our own media, we can create our own narratives around this, and we can have an inclusive rhetoric that doesn't uh, like overly critique multiculturalism like Fox News, that doesn't marginalize Muslims, say that we need to monitor them. Um, we have the ability to structure our own narratives about, around the geopolitics, because that news is out there now. Now that we have a digital platform, we don't rely on the media for our information. We can have an objective view of the information, and we choose the media we want and see the perspective we want affirmed to us, whether that be Fox News or the Young Turks or other other organizations.
8: I completely agree with both, uh, both points there. And I think that to some extent we're able to. But, um,
1: scales. We are here to talk about what we could do as an individual. So what we could do, what are our responsibilities? So we, we should I think I identify problems and things that actually cause these extremism and then talk about them. Talk about and change try to change our values. And I think that ha- that make the culture and they, they then they start to actually adapt them because we are we are watching things right. Mm-hmm. they, they don't mean anything without re- research.
7: Yeah, I think that's like
1: following
8: from Colin. I mean, I do think that
7: like talking about like a, the a media environment we're in now. I mean, I do think that the, those conversations are actually going to work two ways. Um, and I like a recent example, slightly on topic, but I think connected was talking about like Fox News. I don't know, did anybody see like the absurdly racist uh, China Town investigative report on Fox News? So yeah. if you have not seen this. Fox News have one of their Idiot reporters to yes, find yeah. out uh to basically to understand uh, I don't even know what he was trying to find out. He's trying to mock yeah. people. But like and like basically like went to Chinatown Chim- in New York to find out Chinese opinion and like just it was really mm-hmm. awful intercut with like the karate kid movie mm-hmm. and like a bunch of like weird flash guys. And then immediately it was mm-hmm. Mocked by everybody on on social media, so on Twitter, on Facebook, there was a whole sort of series of like people making fun of this terrible Fox News piece, and then that actually bubbled up and was made like the fact that response got the attention of The Daily Show, and they yeah. ended up sort of now at this sort of the, uh, the sort of corporate media level ended up also sort of publishing a sort of critical take on that. So I think like that sort of feedback where if enough people. Are challenging these rep- these top-down representations. If there is enough of a pushback on Twitter, if there is a, like you know like a hashtag that hits like, like oh, everything from Muslims report stuff to Oscar so white to I mean that those those types of social media campaigns then can sort of feed back into broader mainstream media coverage. So thinking about it as more of a conversational piece that we, we can be a part of and can call call these stories out and sort of circulate and recirculate those messages. I do think. You you're right to say in terms of immediate exposure or some beginning to leverage popularity, it's not quite as extreme as some of the platform Donald Trump with his millions of followers. But but I do think being part of those, that those conversations, particularly critiquing racist language, Islamophobic language, I think that there are, there are ways in which that can network. And that networking response actually feeds back into
3: the, the media as so a top-down media more generally as well. Yeah, it was disgusting that Fox News actually did that sort of report. I believe I have the most credential one. <laughs> 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 that situation, only in the room. Yeah. Um, back to the social media point, the the situation we have <clears> on <throat> our hand is a very delicate one, with preventing and helping people who are going to be and about to be radicalized. Um, um, if I'm assuming right, by applying the right voice and utilizing social media, we should be able to talk them out, like in one way. However, we can. Social media is a tremendous thing in the twenty-first century. It's everybody get get to participate in any event you want, share your opinion. We can never and we cannot overlook the effectiveness of social media. However, we cannot exaggerate. Again, how reliable is social media? That is one question. We have websites, if you go on Google search MythBuster, that you can find lots of information on stuff getting passed on social media that's untrue. For example, one of the biggest waves three months ago was about one of my uh, favorite tea brands, Arizona. And it was on Facebook or Twitter, I believe, that uh, people are trending on this information, saying they're adding human urine into the drugs. <laughs> 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 uh, it got reposted numerous times, and it was quite effective until a couple of websites specializing in um, misposting decided to publish that was just a joke, a, a rather bad taste, one hand, with a myth. Uh, same with the situation. If we are taking responsibility individually on social media, promoting the value against radicalization, how effective will that be and since it's a really delicate situation, can we be utilized, counter-utilized in the situation and what if somebody actually pursue a wrong path on the situation? Well building on that,
6: um, social media is extremely dangerous. Look at Leslie Jones, Um, just look at her Twitter account, she's here on Saturday Night Live. And the trolls that come on, on social media, I think most people reading that should be shocked that Leslie Jones had become a, uh, a radicalized uh, member mm-hmm. of whatever, because it was so hateful mm-hmm. and so unbelievably vile. Mm-hmm. So yeah, social media is nice in that we can show support, like in the Chinese uh, interview thing, which was horrendous, but it also can be the source of radicalization. You read some of the things that are said. It's, and what I wanted to ask um, you folks is: Have you felt being, um, whether in Philadelphia, or wherever you've settled in the United States, where you grew up, whatever, have you felt marginalized? Uh, have you felt threatened? Um, and because you're obviously two very successful people, but yet do you still get that uh, type of hatred coming towards you? Yeah, I have. Couple of experiences, but uh,
1: I really don't want to talk about them. But because you know, it happens for, but like, it happens in all all of the modern countries when you actually travel. It, it happens also in my countries. So uh, in my country, because like we have some people coming from Afghanistan or like Pakistan as workers, and uh, they they are not educated. So in that level of society, they might do some crimes. And so I, I think that start to. Talk about them to my friends to actually not all of them are criminals. So, actually, what Donald Trump or Fox News is, is doing is like labeling all the people, like dividing the society. All Mexicans are right, Yeah. System. So, actually, we are sharing Muslims or like religious are sharing the with makes <laughs> <laughs> it. So, it's always <laughs> something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the thing is, uh, the, the, the actual point is. Uh, um, they are dividing us and what we could do actually to, it doesn't matter what I have experienced. It, it matters what we respond as like people who are educated, and people who understand these values. And we know these are not wrong values because of their feedbacks to the society. So we cannot say that like, people had wrong values, but we could say like which value actually had better feedback to a democracy to, to, to or to a more healthy society. Mm-hmm. And actually,
3: that's how things happen for uh, Well, I think um, media's like um, Fox News, CNN even, they amplified the utilization of First Amendment greatly in this nation. What they do is, well, it's not necessarily they do have a more campus against certain religious or uh, individual community at all. But as crazy as they can on um, reporting any related information, the more viewer they get. And um, hence how the failed army got so many hits on YouTube. Uh, we tend to enjoy these sort of events where you know things are extreme and some something outrageous on other hand. And that is just they turn their profit over their social responsibility and I think that's mm-hmm. the, uh, the the essential point of why are they including the Chinese report and I, I, I can't tell you how outrageous was that up that I see now um, and it's about I think with those major mainstream media it's more about money than morality like I mentioned uh, unfortunately given the constitution in this nation, and since we're using the media in this country as an example, um, might be very limited things we can do about them. Um, but again, one essential point to bear in mind, I think, in this sort of situation, those people who are trying to radicalise artists in this society wish to gain more coverage. And by playing the game, no matter what position you take, you're falling right in their trap.
0: Like, even like Hollywood is like um, misrepresenting. Like, right now there's this movie um, it's gonna come out. Um, it's called Rumi, which is like a notable Islamic scholar. But the person that's representing him is not. Does even have like Middle Eastern features. He's Leonardo DiCaprio. So I think it's like really important to, for the for Hollywood to really like have someone that is representing that character so that it doesn't just say, like, like you're saying, like, make money. Like, you're not trying to just make money. You need to try to create this, like, image of what really Muslims are.
1: That was a really good point. So there is a Iranian, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, uh, mantel- <laughs> <laughs> so just
2: the, I'm probably going to change the conversation a little mm-hmm. bit. But one thing that i always wondered in terms of terrorism mm-hmm. um, in the world, and particularly against the U.S. What is it about the U.S. that makes us so hated around the world? You know, it, around the world, basically. What And that, when I'm trying to think of what can I as an individual do to help send the tide somewhat, I try to figure out, well, why are we hated so much? And I thought I would just throw that in there. Because <laughs> I'm not quite sure, but obviously we are. We have a large military, quagmire
4: all across the world we're involved in multiple conflicts and it's hard as an individual American to truly know what all those conflicts are and how they're affecting Mm -hmm. certain people, certain countries, and I think that's something that as individuals we definitely need to become aware of and definitely need to engage with. I think there are legitimate reasons to be critical of the U.S. because of the large military
3: hegemony that we have in the world. Well, we can't just blame the entire situation on a strong military. It is not a strong military that makes your country vulnerable and makes you targetable as a super nation, as a superpower that we should pick a bone on. Any nation should be, should be able to reserve um, their power of retaliation when deemed necessary. And when the United States deemed it necessary, that's because your interests are being offended. Or your Sorry. national security and defense are being offended? It's your financial interests. <laughs> financial I'm <laughs> financial I've financial I've not going to add to on that point in my statement, statement but yes, so maybe one word. The, 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 the national interest, interest, interest grab the whole of, of the whole of the is as a huge broad spectrum within this definition. However, what I think is the problem, come down to individual or a smaller scale of society, is that. People in this country are somehow in a natural high because people in Washington, the politicians, they use words like radical people, they use words like terrorists, they use Middle East, these terms. And China, by Donald Trump often, Mm -hmm. they label, the politicians label these terms as enemies, as bad people to achieve their political agenda. And, uh, it's the same equation as a news organisation Apply, you know um, more adversary you have and the more you condemn them and the more you pass the emotion to the public the more support you can draw well, That's the fear of that uh, and, and keeping the power but
6: to turn it to yeah. things more uh, constructive I think one of the more constructive things I've seen um, was the, the Gold Star family I forgot their names sometimes. Kanz. Kanz. When he stood up there, not as a Muslim, but as a man with a son, you know, an American, and I think a lot of Americans were able to see and say, I like this guy. You know, I like how he's talking, he's very articulate, he's very intelligent, he's very sensitive, he's saying things. I think that's something we have to work on. I've said that in other circumstances. I think it's the storytelling um, that you're Zach. That's who you are. You're not, it's like, not, that's how you should be judged, period. And I think when you, when I meet you and I get to talk to you, it becomes a human being. But I think what he did has to be done more. By all the conversation between a lot of people, so that Instead of, a, oh, she wears a headdress, dress, she must be this. Right? And then you speak to me for one second, and that ends. But you question the most decent people. But that's what needs to be done. I think the conversation has to do what you're doing today. Because people just take each other as just other people who have problems with children, have grandchildren, you know, the whole business. And I think then we can relate to each other and not um, stereotype and marginalize. I think that's the most to me is the most important thing is is talking and not and not getting into our separate angry groups because that would just mm-hmm. so well, I do don't out think that people. should require an
7: evacuation of this it's Muslim identity I don't think it's that he is transcending being Muslim and so becoming just right. human I think it's about sort of critiquing stereotypes and basically critiquing and pushing against stereotypes of that identity right. so I mean like just like a Jewish identity or my Irish, I mean like my various identity groups. I think it's a question of how does, how do you talk about there are different types of Muslims is that like I think it's, a, it's a, it's a way to sort of get around, I think a, a sort of singular and primarily negative stereotypes of different groups that also, as we've seen in this election cycle is also applied to Latinos or the Chinese. I mean, I think like there's a, there's real, I think is a sort of and terrifying resurgence of tremendously racist language that has sort of become sort of bubbling up into acceptability again. I think like pushing up against that. But I I think I guess I would push back a little bit on the, the need to sort of turn to the human and ignore those differences and say just acknowledge those differences, but also challenge the way that they are getting presented or the meaning that are ascribed to them. Well,
0: I, I wanted to get uh, back to your question about being marginalized. So Sometimes I do feel marginalized, but then also like there's a lot of support. So, like for example, like so I'm from West Virginia, and like I had an incident where um, this woman like looked at me and my mom, and she was like, "Y'all need to go back to your country and whatnot." And then, but then there was this other woman that came to me, and she's like, "Don't listen to her," and like that was like my first instance of like feeling racism. Like I've never had it before. And so when that other woman came to us, I was like, "Oh, okay, so you are not everyone." sees it that way. And then even with like right now with this presidential campaign, like i I feel like there's a lot of people that will like smile at me like purposely, like see like we support. So there's really been this a lot of like this contrast between, oh I fear you or oh I support you kind of thing. Um, and then also um so like in West Virginia of course there's a lot of like people that um, um they believe what they see in the media. But then um, we had like a flood that happened in West Virginia. And our like whole Muslim um, community there, we um, just gathered a bunch of um, girls and boys, and we went and helped out. So a lot of the, the people there were, um, there was one person that was like, oh, so you all came to um, prove us um, wrong with what we believe of you. and.
8: <laughs>
0: and, and we were like, you know, we're, we're just uh, trying to be, um, to show, you know, like, what, what Muslims are, but we are here sincerely just to help you. And so it, it's really, like, um, important for Muslims to um, break these, like, misconceptions that people have with us. Yes.
5: I think a lot of it comes, it's a good, good story, and a lot of it does come from interaction, I agree. And that's how we build, we build empathy by making connections. And a lot of it is made by eye contact and words, and through the, these conversations, we start to say, oh, okay, so-and-so is this. But we do mostly share all, mostly share, all, of, and the more we get together, the more we realize how much alike we really are, how much we do have the same values. And when we don't, when we separate, and, you know, we have, and today we talked about Levittown in my class. It was the first suburban community it was built for whites only. So those whites living there had little, little opportunity to ever see anybody that was different than them. In fact, they had signs up that said, this is up for whites only. And they reinforced that, they felt very comfortable there. And there's also fear, there's also comfort. People um, will try to gather around themselves in their tribe, so they, speak, so they can feel comfortable and not threatened. And so the more that this kind of stuff happens, it's very threatening in the beginning, but then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, we can have this conversation. It's not really, there's so much fear of the unknown. And that fear of unknown plays out in so many negative ways, and it's really, it's really kind of sad. So, really, to get back to your goal was, what can we do? I think that this roundtable should be happening daily, and I think you need to work a lot harder <laughs> <laughs> so that literally. To, so this is my proposal. You,
7: all schedule? Schedule? Yeah. <laughs> you do this like once a week,
5: right? Yes. <laughs> so one of the things that um, I was uh, got a sabbatical a couple of years ago. I got to go to the Frank Lloyd Wright School of Architecture in Arizona, I stayed there for two weeks. It was amazing. It was a beautiful building. And every day at 2.30, everything stopped. All the classes stopped, everybody stopped, and they walked to the kitchen, and they made a cup of tea, and they just sat around for half an hour, and they talked. And that was it. No, no agenda. Hey, how are you doing? And people get getting into these really interesting conversations, and people that I didn't like earlier that day, I swear to you, I really came to like them and understand their perspective a lot more. Once I had a little bit of tea with them, and I think, so getting back to your point is, you wanted to leave us some solutions.
1: First, I I mean, that was a cultural thing. So how could we actually make a culture to change the culture? For example, when I walk, so we know our program is a really diverse program. So there are 11 11 actually students. Only I think four or three of them are from here. So but when actually, when I walk to Canberra, I see all the white people, black people, Chinese, and all like, they are separated. So how can we actually change this culture from the, the actually smaller scales to the yeah. larger scales? We should, I think we should start from the Cambar, right? Well, I think you started to hear, I mean, this is even smaller.
5: Yeah. Yeah. You started to hear it today. I mean, you actually did, you already achieved part of what you hope to achieve today by getting all of us in the room. I don't know. I don't know you guys. I got, I got to know you. I think you're great. Um, so I think it's even smaller than camera, potentially. It may potentially. There's a lot of theories about scale of change and how what's the biggest group how big can a group be like that's why you know I'm a designer I always think everything comes back to design but if you look at the proportions of this room when I get to the second level back there you made sure nobody sat in the second level and you made those corner seats because you want to get so there's a there's there is an idea of proximity and so how many people do we have here if we had four probably 12 to 14 people that can sit in the circle and once you go to the second row of the circle you sort of lost it a little. So your scale might be not canbar, but maybe it's simple things like these kind of events. I wasn't sort of, I was not kidding about sort of a daily or weekly event that's just no agenda tea. Um, no alcohol, of course, but something like this happening more. So <laughs> 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 Sorry, I <laughs> shouldn't <surely laughs> attended to it, yeah, it was, okay, how, would you, how would you, if you said, um, okay, every Wednesday at 2 o'clock we're going to have tea in our building, in the seat center you know what would happen. People would come out of their studios and they would sit and they would drink tea and they would end up talking to each other and getting to know each other, wouldn't they? Yeah. I mean, you guys are, where is your, is this your <coughs> spot here? Is this yeah. like your building? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you guys have your two o'clock tea or anything
0: like that? <laughs> uh, you know, that's, uh,
6: I, I think this is a really good idea that can come mm-hmm. out of this, that uh, we can start with these type of guests yeah, so, uh, that the Spectre Center, where we're gonna just come over for coffee, talk about just there won't be films, It's a really easy yeah. thing no during the breaks. And building towards what you want to do. This may be like on a chicken finger Thursday. You know, <laughs> <laughs> for Instead of everyone sitting in their own little areas, the baseball team sits with the baseball team, the softball team sits with the softball you know, yeah. different religions and different everyone sits separately. Maybe you should just do it. That you're assigned a seat, and you sit down. Everyone sits randomly, and maybe you have the opportunity to speak that one day to someone who you would never even know before. but yeah. actually, that
0: could be a yeah. Obviously. And it would be really effective because I get a lot, like, um, like my best friend, for example, she told me, like, "Mom, you like really changed my perspective of what, of what Muslims are." And, like, numerous people have like told me that too. Hmm. So, like, that would be a great idea. Yeah, my perspective
4: definitely changed when I met international Muslims. Mm-hmm. I had um, I had friends in high school that were American Muslims, but we didn't really get into anything. Mm-hmm. It was just like you know gossip stuff like that. Yeah. But when I got here at university, I met uh, Muslims from Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. and they really went deep in what they believed, what their values were, mm-hmm. and. Um, the history behind why they feel that way. Mm-hmm. And seeing it from their perspective and letting them openly you know, define who they were, it really helped me understand like, that we have similar values and that these values are complex and nuanced. Mm-hmm. They're just structured differently. Right. So that's an important part of
8: integration.
6: Mm-hmm. I, I will... Work with Rob right. on this. <laughs> I, I really think it's a, a great idea to have across the campus, different places mm-hmm. where people can go and just discuss. You could rotate it. Yeah, the building. The building the building around to discuss these type of issues. Who wants to just mix it up with people they don't see all the time and actually have a nice learning experience after all this university. I
1: think we could do something on camera as well. For example, it's twelve o'clock. Yeah. and everyone sitting with their friends, right? So mm-hmm. you come and say, like, everyone should go around and sit around with them and we'll mm-hmm. start to talk.
8: Yeah, we just have the lunch to together,
1: you know? Mm-hmm. So then we, I have a chance to talk, I don't know, people from China because I, we have no people in our mm-hmm. program from China,
8: you know? Mm-hmm. In that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Let's, let's test it, if, if
5: Zach came over to you guys, you were having lunch, he said, hey, we're all going to switch seats for 15 minutes. But would sure. awesome. <laughs> bought, I wish would you do it? my
6: lunch. I'm coming Since
3: we I went to the bathroom, and we come back talking about your program, I don't know how this transformation <laughs> happened, but, um, but you know, I, I'd like to make it, um, a distinction here. That you know the difference between um, since we brought I think that's what I like to emphasise. It sounds like a really important issue to me. About uh, um, I'm, I'm sorry, sir. How, how Rob. Right. Right. So um Rob. Right. Um, so you were saying you were sitting at the outside circle right here, and mm-hmm. Professor Lane approached you to put you in a seat over there to get involved in more discussion. See, that is the thing I find most interesting astonishing about this sort of convention. Um, we have people in the room, like from, let's say, what uh, was the last time we had a huge... transfer, so we 50 people. We have 50 people here to talk about Trump. Yeah. And I was late to that one, fashionably. Um, um, <laughs> so I was sitting in the outside circle. I did all that I can to participate in the discussion. Uh, however, that was not as directing as I usually be because I'm sitting outside. The problem was a larger scale of population joining into one conversation as we have people putting in information, exchanging information, and we have people getting latched. And back to the topic, uh, what individually we could do on um, the situation with um, terrorists these days, and especially since we brought up the social media idea, uh, the distinction lies here there are people inputting and exiling the information to the general public and there are people getting lectured. and when this sort of situation happens then it could be a really it's either going to be a really good one or a really damaging one um, how many of you are familiar with this TED talk called the danger of a single story it's about Preconception and what you understand about something you're unfamiliar with. And um, for example, you know, when I talk about one country, for example, when I say uh, um, Russia, there are people who are going to automatically have a picture of Ashma and Korff in their mind as a firearm. When I talk about China, you know, you're probably thinking about everybody was kung fu fighting. Yeah. And so it's like your, your conception, your preconception about one, sing, one single matter, an individual matter, and you project your influ- influence to the outside community. For example, if we had like a full room and a second layer outside the circle, these people will be listening to oral lectures. Maybe the select to listen from one or two persons on the panel. However, they will be lectured, and that is a problem, especially when it comes so to it. So it has to be small. It has to be small. The lecturing right. problem. Right. It has to be in these
6: smaller groups. All of us here have talked. So, so that it has to to work effectively. I think it has to start in the smaller groups.
3: Yes. Talking with each other and then growing out of that. Exactly. That's why I think, like, I must emphasize that Put out this information about this distinction between exchanging and getting sure. that's a lecture or listening. Mm-hmm. So, uh, a lot of stuff it's at this point, change. I really yeah. don't think is going to happen. Versus, because there are people who are maybe their personality just shy, a fear of sharing. But, sure. sure, You know, essentially, we have to make sure everybody's exchanging information mm-hmm. instead of
5: getting a well, lecture. That's a really good point. So, if we were in, in my, my class right now, we would do a circle. Because we have introverts and we have extroverts mm-hmm. and the extroverts dominate and the introverts are like really quiet, but they probably have really good things. So if we were in my class, we would just do a little circle because some people haven't got a chance to talk yet because we all were interrupting mm-hmm. each other. So if you want to do a circle, Zach, and just see how people are feeling, Oh, how like move the circle, go around how are people feeling about this conversation or sharing something that they wanted to share
3: that they didn't get to share yet. So you're well, um, So I'm I being like professor think, here. So sure, why not? But that's your that's your point about exchange, right? Exactly. We have to put in our right. voice.
5: Right. So I would start over here and say, would you like to share some more with the group about your feelings? Here. Yeah. Uh, well, you um, <laughs> Go ahead. <Yeah. laughs>
8: talking about
0: going back to what he was talking about helping the situation on an individualized basis, I think we can only do so much as individuals. It does come from people who hold a little more, how do I say prestige, someone who people look up to, like you as professors. I know I can't get a group of students to listen to what I say directly just because of the overtly racial discourse that's going on. He mentioned it, one of you mentioned it earlier, Mm -hmm. but how it's becoming normalized to talk in these racial matters and just say whatever comes to mind. People just love to blurt it out, and I feel like it has to come from a little bit of the top to the bottom and allow people to get their voices out in a polite manner. Because sometimes we get so overly into our politics that it doesn't come out the way it should, and we don't hear each other.
6: Mm-hmm. So that's for us. We have to... Should uh, I have a little about it? Yeah. Doing do the raw flowing
8: circle. Doing the circle. <laughs> okay. I, yeah, you know, I just think you can do it in any way, whether you have a circle where people are.
1: democracy works like that. It makes you feel uncomfortable at the first. And then you start to leave your, uh, your comfort mm-hmm. zone. And then you start to learn from
6: each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think building on what you guys are saying, I really do think we should have a weekly time where we get together. And maybe the first time we get together may not be as constructive as the second or third. But it has to be if we really want to change things, then we have to, we have to dedicate ourselves to it. And things—I'll tell you this, Bianca. Um, Mark Rod was a kid from Maplewood, New Jersey, who went to Columbia University. He was just a kid, and he joined this group called the SDS. And before you know it, he was protesting the Vietnam War. It became national. Then it became international. So you know, he didn't need professors. He was just a kid from Maplewood, looking to meet girls and get high. That's <laughs> his his biography. So. Look what happened there. A huge movement grew out of what he started in Columbia because the sit-ins came and then it took over the world against the Vietnam War. So I disagree with you on that. We would definitely like to help as professors, but you have a lot of agency, a lot as a student. Don't think you don't. Uh, It's amazing how amazing things start in small areas. And I do think that we have to dedicate ourselves to these conversations. I think you're right, John. They have to be small. I think they have to be Continuous until we grow mm. accustomed to it. So um, we have to seriously think how to do that the best way possible. If um, the the circle,
3: well, that's how you know people start to become rebels. True. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your rebels come. <laughs> anyway, I think this this sort of ideology is effective, and but like I emphasised before, it has to come from a exchanging. Instead of a, we, we can't even have one person getting lecture. Then we lose the entire point True. of having this sort of pattern. Um And that's what we do. Is we lecture. That's our that's our challenge. Yeah. I because think that's I, what we do. I, I that think that all the professors great. I experienced and all the professors taught me and still teach me. For example, Professor Lang, um, they all done a brilliant job getting people involved, the student to open their conversation. In the classroom, so in, in that idea, we both, because after all, it is a classroom. We are getting lecture from professor, and uh, deeply rooted that, or understanding and getting to know um, information from others' point of view and um, amplify our ability to think. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, this sort of panel, we're not trying to pour some sort of information into someone's brain jar. It is we inspire a new method of thinking. I, I mean, it's. I mean, uh, um, we're we're in the States. That's a really good advantage because I believe that's the that's the culture thing in the U.S. college and universities. If we were in the U.K. or in the Commonwealth nation, which I've been living for quite a while, um, for my uh, not long enough life, and um, in those classroom structures, you're just sitting there getting taught, getting lectured by your by you teachers and professors. Um, I wouldn't say that's a uh, effective one, especially for people who have the potential of becoming a writer like me you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes it is as much as, much as important as poisoning voice and hearing others' opinion. And that's what I again, I re emphasize that it has to start from a small panel like what we're doing today until maybe we start even a larger discourse community. Hell, maybe one day this thing can be as big as including entire Philadelphia uh, Philadelphia area, including everything of the university, to join this sure. sort of panel. But today, we're starting as small because we have to focus on the fact of this. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Um,
1: well, first
0: of all, I that for arranging this, I think this was really, like, and um, I think something that like um, like wearing the headdress and stuff. A lot of um, girls that wear it sometimes we feel like we're um, like overly maybe shy or something like that. So I think this really has like helped me like just share my story and um, really just just feel like you know like nothing can stop me to be like who I am and um, follow my, my goals. Um, and then um, I think like another idea could be like we could have. A Challenge day, camp art or something like meet a Muslim or um, meet a Jewish person or something like that. Um, and similar to like the Super Size Me guy, where he like had a TV show where he did that, I think, or something like that. Um, so yeah, I think, but I think that's like something that it really creates a sense, a sense of community. You guys like, like that? Be like open and stated yeah. it, in uh-huh.
3: such a way, but there's no. Just hidden policy. You're front. front. you okay. so, okay. unity and diversity, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That way. Mm-hmm.
8: So
1: I just want to thank you all for being here. Thank you to Philadelphia University, especially you guys. And uh, I myself, I think, uh, we actually didn't talk about governments because the world has changed, I think, by individuals, right? Mm-hmm. So they all start in a smaller scales. So we are here to start maybe smaller scales and maybe
6: get to larger scale and do well, Thank you. Thank you Excellent. Excellent. Uh, thank you.